The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Now more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. Thursday on the Chuck Oliver Show, and we're talking college football. It's what we do every single day, two hours a day, all across the network, 60 stations, nine states. Thank you for the wonderful blessing. So Shane Beamer, he has resources. I mean, that's a he has a pretty good shovel, but he's also got a pretty big hole um, because he operates at the absolute top level of a suddenly, like, blisteringly more expensive game. Um, and it's like playing roster whack-a-mole. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. And one thing that, you know, we're all going to talk a lot about losing Spence Rattler, who even despite the team's record, that kid was tough and he had a really good season. They really, really like the quarterback that is lined up uh, to take over. So there are positives, and he's shaking up the staff a little bit. We're going to see about the 2024 Gamecocks and beyond. From on three, it is Mike Yuva. Mike, welcome back, friend. How you doing today? Good, Chuck. How you doing? Doing good. Let's first of all talk about some of the positive. And I've been told, no, it's for real. It's not just PR, and it's not because we can't afford another Spence Rattler. Uh, that Lenora Sellers is a quarterback, I'll say still prospect, uh, mm-hmm. that inside the walls of the uh, the facility, they really, really are high on this kid and his future. No, they really like him. He, he's someone, you know, when you hear the word dual threat, I think naturally some people want to assume, all right, the kid can't really throw the football. That's certainly not the case. Now, having said all that, and maybe I'm in the minority of this, but I'm still trying to pump the brakes a little bit on this young man simply because the limited action that we did see him in, a lot of it was in garbage time. Now, that's not, you know, me going on saying, oh, Mike's not confident with Lenora Sellers. It's just like, well, look, (laughs) this kid is going to be a redshirt freshman. Again, the limited action that we saw him play and including the spring game, which got a lot of fans excited. They want to take their shirts off and spin around their head because of a couple of theories out there. You really are still learning about what this young man can do. And as we all know with college football players, especially if you look back to South Carolina a couple of years ago, you have a kid named Jason Brown that comes in, did some great things against Florida. Well, what happens? Well, the next week there's tape out on. Yep. So how is Lenoris going to develop not one. Not only if he has the opportunity to start this year, but when he gets into the game, and now there's tape out on him, and there's little things that he can t- can continue to get better at, which is you know being able to go through his progressions, making sure that all right, if that first read, that second read's not there, not just to take off, which naturally a lot of these younger quarterbacks want to do. So I, I think the biggest thing for him, which obviously is a disadvantage in a sense for USC because their quarterback room is so thin. As of today, they only have two scholarship quarterbacks. If you don't count Luke Doty, who's going to be working a lot in the wide receiver room he's going to have a lot of opportunities to gain a lot of reps this spring so that is a positive but at the same time too not a lot of competition right now in that quarterback room 
All right, talk about the uh, fun, shiny, sparkly pieces on the perimeter because I said there was a growing freak show in Columbia. Now, it never really came together last year because either injuries or youth or whatever, but if you want to start with uh, whoever, upperclassmen, uh, rising troop freshmen, Harbor, whoever, uh, talk about the returning talent because some of it has also portaled out. Well, I think naturally a lot of fans are excited to see what Nicholas Harbor can do in year two. I think the, the toughest thing, though, that people need to realize, and I know this fan base, I mean, I'm going to sound like Debbie Downer today on here, Chuck, but I, I know what this fan base doesn't want to hear is that, yes, he was a five-star coming out of high school, but at the same time, too, he was a five-star tight end slash defensive, and he was an athlete. So he's making the transition still to wide receiver, there were, I mean, I was at a bunch of practices early on and, and the opportunities that the media was able to see. He had a lot of drops early on. But, again, that's kind of expected when you have a guy making the transition from that position on over. So I think Nicholas Harbour is one guy in particular that we're paying extra close attention to. Uh, what they've been able to do in the transfer portal this offseason, and they need it. They need to be able to add some talent in that wide receiver room. There's one player in particular that I'm really excited to watch, and that's Jared Brown, transfer from Coastal Carolina, did a lot of good things this past season. So, again, I look at that as those two players in particular, but then after that, I mean, there's not a lot of experience coming back in that room. I mean, Luke Doty, who we mentioned playing quarterback, he led the team in receptions as far as who's returning this year, him and Nicholas Harbor, 13 catches for Doty, 12 catches last season for Nicholas Harbor. So I say that because the bottom line is they're going to have to have players who either last year really didn't make that much of an impact in the wide receiver room or some of these younger guys coming in, they're going to have to make a difference. And one player in particular that I would recommend people paying attention to is this kid named Tyson Russell. He, he appeared in 10 games last season as a true freshman. I really like some of the things that he was able to do when he was out there. And another player, too, I'd mention is Elijah Codwell. He was banged up beginning of the year as a true freshman, but I think those are two players to keep an eye on as they try to figure out what to do in that wide receiver room, which, again, it's going to be a common theme here, very thin right now in terms of the depth. All right, let's right, uh, I'll just bounce around, but the offensive line was a house of horrors and guys playing two or three spots, and they were just trying to piece together, you know, we want the best five. They wanted a five, a healthy enough five from Saturday to Saturday, especially towards the end. Um, how does the offensive line look as they head to the offseason? I think right now, Chuck, I think you hit the, the nail right in the head. It's trying to figure out which five can play together. And I think right now what South Carolina fans are wanting to see is they want to see them go in, out to the portal and bring in a big-name guy. Well, one thing I can tell fans, and I think you'll get this, and I think a lot of your listeners who have been paying attention to this new uh, era of college football will understand, but some fans in Columbia don't. If you go do that, a lot of these big-name guys that these fans want they want a lot of money. So you have to decide, are we going to put all our eggs in one basket, especially at a position where South Carolina found out the hard way last year, multiple players went down. So I think more than anything, they're trying to figure out, okay, who can we bring in that can be a good fit without, you know, spending an arm and a leg. They've done a nice job with being able to play catch up from an NIL standpoint, but at the same time too, even if you have the money, you have to decide where are we going to spend it on? So I think more than anything, 
it's being able to build off of some of the younger players that they were able to have here last year who had to play because of injuries, and Louis Tosin, Babalade, uh, Trevon Baugh, those are two guys who did some good things as true freshmen last year. Baugh was a, a freshman All-American this past season, did some good things, but again, going back to what you said, I think it's the biggest question, and you can't figure it out until you get out there on the field come springtime, which five can play best next to each other they do have some returning offensive linemen like a guy like Vershawn Lee but how do you how do these guys yep. mesh well together as you head into this new season all right flip that around go back a level because linebacker in particular again kind of thin um and now a couple of real high profile recruits um in the portal as well with Howard and Blanton um what's that position gonna look like next season well, I think one thing in particular that I'm paying close attention to is what is it going to look like if um, if they're able to get a guy like Mo Kaba back who didn't play this season. I mean, let's just call for what it is. He got hurt early on in that first game of the season. Yep. Uh, coming back from an ACL injury the previous year. So if Mo's able to come back, Shane Beamer talked about it a couple weeks ago during National Signing Day that everything that he's been told, he's on track to be able to come back out there and, and be a difference maker. And I would love to be able to see him come back. It would be a great story for a young man who come back from two knee injuries. But another player I would tell people to keep an eye on is uh, Bam Martin Scott. I mean, he was someone that started to play more towards the end of the season, did a lot of good things. And quite frankly, I mean, I, I know some people are going to be puzzled by this Pup Howard news, but the more yep. I talk with people, it feels like there's a confidence with guys like Bam, certainly Debo Williams, and that a guy like Pup Howard, and I know some people are going to hear the narrative, okay, he wants to be closer to home, which is true. To an extent, I also think from talking to people, Pup wanted to know that he was going to be out there and being a starter. Like, I think he wanted to be playing more. I felt like he wanted to play more this season as a true freshman, but some of that wasn't coming along as quickly as the coaching staff would have liked. And that's not to say that Pup can't turn into a phenomenal player, which I still think he will, but you know, a little bit more weight on him than they probably would have liked, kind of moving him around from the position standpoint. He was probably more of an edge than anything else. So um, I, I say those things because I think South Carolina, again, <laughs> broken record, they need to add more depth there. But I think they really like, again, Debo Williams, of course, bam. And then they'll be keeping an eye on what Mo Cobb is able to do from a rehab standpoint over these next couple months. Can I tell you how many times Will Muschamp, and he meant it, and it was, I'm not mocking him, he would say, Chuck, there's 6.5 million people in Atlanta. There's 6.5 million in the state of South Carolina. we got to go out. To, I was like, you're right. you got to go outside to recruit. Um, and that's supposed to mean name image likeness is sort of a kind of level the field for a program that doesn't have great in-state recruiting. But then there's that money thing. Is there a Jerry Jones? Is there a Phil Knight? Um, because I certainly can't think of one. I know that there was the lady who she got angry at the president a couple of years ago because he didn't send a condolence card. Um, is there is there somebody that can bankroll the whole thing? Well, there is, there, there is one. Um, I'm blanking on the first name, and I feel really bad that I'm saying that right now because Gamecock fans would smack in, me in the back of the head. But there's a gentleman named Rice uh, out, out towards the Charleston area, and he was part of the tape down of the big tobacco companies uh, back in the day. So, you know, he's been a big, big, big-time supporter of Gamecock athletics. But I think, as we all know, you know, whether he's writing a big check or whatever the case may be, from an NIL standpoint, you know, they're just trying to continue to find ways where 
you don't have to just be dependent on one person. I think that's the toughest thing, right? I mean, I'll, if, if you're being dependent on one person, which, again, it would be great if South Carolina can get a big check. And I think they have been able to get big checks, not just from Rice, but from other yep. individual donors over um, over the last couple months. But it's just trying to continue to find that sustainability, right, just like anything in life. Because as soon as that goes away, now it's like, oh, crap. So I think, you know, South Carolina, like a lot of programs out there from an NIL space, they're continuing to figure out what works and what doesn't. And as I was telling Heath before I hopped on the air with you, I think the challenging part for fans right now, because, you know, you see it happen with when a position's not doing well, you want to point and blame a coach, right, or certain things like that. I think with this new era of college football, it's not as simple as just saying, okay, this is the reason why players are going into the portals because of NIL. No, some of it has to do with, again, the fact that some guys don't want to get developed. They don't want to wait. They want to go out there right away and play. There's just more of an entitlement, I feel like, from talking to coaches across the country, not just South Carolina coaches. And it's oh, difficult yeah. to, to be able to sell that to kids and be like, hey, look, yes, whatever you want to do here, that's great, NIL, all that. But if you get developed here, that bag you're chasing, that money you're chasing, it's going to be so much more at the next level. But you have to be able to put the work in now. And I think that's, that's a challenge right now to be able to sell to some of these kids, especially when the portal is as loose as it is right now. You can just enter it at any given time. You know, pick up the ball, go home, oh, press yeah. the reset yeah. button on the PlayStation. Yeah. It's a challenge. Well, if I'm there and I see the – Darius Rucker Recruiting Lounge. I'll know that they're at least making the right calls. Um, appreciate the input as always, friend. Thank you. Thank you, Chuck. All right. It's Mike Yuba. Gangcock Central. Small on three. That's what you do. Um, and it doesn't have to have any sort of connection. Like in, I was at the Wake Forest Stadium, which is just a couple of miles off campus. First time I was there. And I think it's the Ricky Prohl locker room. And I was like, oh, okay, Ricky Pro, he's play football. I know who it is. And then you look at all the other names, and it's the Joe and Jane Smith family offensive coordinator. And I'm like, oh, they just wrote a check. They didn't catch any passes. Now, I'm sure that Ricky Pro wrote a check as well. Uh, Darius Rucker, I don't know, is he writing checks? I, I, I assume they're calling on everyone. Here's the thing. Darius Rucker, I, successful businessman as well, and he did a lot of the writing. So I'm just using him as a pretty high-profile example. I don't think he has fund name image likeness collective level of wealth. Do y'all remember John Bon Jovi when he decided to get to the NFL ownership thing? Hey, do you remember when Bon Jovi, I think it was the Giants, and then like he downshifted to the Bills, and then maybe he went to the Toronto Argonauts because he went public, I want to buy an NFL team, and like every financier in America went, you are a grain of sand on the beach financially when it comes to the NFL. Am yeah, I remembering had, that right? Basically, yeah. He had owned the uh, arena team, the Philadelphia Soul, but uh, there's a big jump from arena league to the big boys. And, and so, I don't know, when you're Phil Knight and everywhere around the planet, people wear your shirts and shorts and socks and shoes and whatever else, that's different than I sold a heck of a lot of records between, what, 95 and 10. I'm not discounting at all, um, but I just it's a different level of wealth. Bon Jovi is – and he's still relevant somehow and still can charge, like, good money for tickets. It's a total cash grab, by the way. I saw him at the new joint uh, where they play hockey. Was that T-Mobile out in Las Vegas? Um, and it's like, t- just absolute cash grab. Um, but in sort of a Bill Clinton-ish way – 
legally accurate, though misleading, uh, I can say I saw Bon Jovi again in this time in Las Vegas. Um, but he's just, he has made so much money, gargantuan amounts, comma, in the world of entertainment. It's nowhere near, like the Carolina Panthers owner who got fined 300000 $300,000, that's a rounding error to him. But he threw a drink or tossed it or got angry, and he acted like people act, except they're in the upper deck wearing a Dan Morgan jersey. Um, he acted like that and threw a drink at somebody and got fined three hundred grand, and it's already been paid. They just did a auto debit for 300000 because he didn't have that much in the ashtray. Um, that's that level of money. Not, I have humped it in buses and planes literally in a circle around the globe for a quarter of a century oh i'm sorry 35 years and i still don't have anywhere close to amount of money that's the difference between t boone or even the who's the restaurant uh tilma fertita restaurant guy who also owns the rockets and he owns the cougars which what, which league are they in? Well, now they're in the Big Twelve League. He owns them as well. That's 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 big money. Bon Jovi uh, has really good money for regular humans. All right, we're gonna take a break. We'll come back. Continue next. The king of college football, no matter where you go, with a new Southern Sports Today app. Catch the best college football conversation in the South everywhere with the SST live stream and daily podcast. Download it now at the App Store and the Google Play Store. Now more of the best college football talk in the country. It's the Chuck Oliver Show. Rolling through Thursday, Chuck Oliver Show. And beginning next Tuesday... There's an uncomfortable college football truth worth confronting. A lot of this is on my mind this morning because of the tweeted out pick Caleb Williams and his penthouse above the L.A. skyline, which is completely allowed and encouraged if you can pull it off. I don't know if you know Tulsa can offer the same thing, but uh, a picture that Caleb has tweeted out on his own social media accounts before. And then a USC fan site, I believe, tweeted out a picture of him from the L.A. skyline in this, I don't know, like 40-foot sectional um, at an, a kitchen island that the Rockettes could perform on. And it's just a skyline of it's a two-sided penthouse with Florida. It's just an unbelievable place that he did some online looking, and the rent may be between, what did you say, per month? It appears that without being able to narrow it down to his specific yeah. building, between about fifty five hundred and seventy five hundred per month is a good guess for what that kind of an to stay there for thirty days for a month in downtown LA. Yeah, for thir- you don't get anything, but for thirty days you get to sleep there. Okay, so that's where he lives, and the picture comes out and bully for USC because they could pull it off, and good for Caleb Williams got broke off a little bit. Uh, when I say an uncomfortable college football truth, first of all. Let UW or Big Blue deserve, they deserve their moment. Let them win and have their parade. Then deal with the fact that every structure of the game is now a blatant, widely unregulated financial transaction. Like every predictable result of that is now draped over the sport. Conference championship games, 
and non-playoff bowl games are nearly pointless beginning nine months from now. For bowls, even more so than already. Conference title games now, same thing. First-round playoff games will not be insulated from opt-outs. Collectives have been shutting down. Beginning July 1st, each Big Ten athletic department will get $100 million annually from the conference. Mountain West will pay each member $7 million. And the NCAA itself just proposed a totally new structure where athletic departments can pay players directly. <laughs> All right, UCLA says, works for us. Colorado State, they are out of the football business literally right now as we speak. It hasn't played out on the field yet. We haven't seen it. Week three, week four, week six of this very coming season, this plays out. And like I said, a lot of this is on my mind because I'm looking at Caleb Williams and what USC can do. Um, somehow purchasing players for name, image, likeness has gotten even more blatant than, like, worst projections. Um, Georgia State, for instance, downtown Atlanta, big metropolis, a lot of industry and commerce. They have a close to impossible task at $2 million per year from the Sun Belt. So almost every instance, a couple years ago, they got a high three-star receiver who also had offers from B.C., Colorado, Baylor. Yeah, that's virtually eliminated. Um, so conference commissioners, presidents, network executives, AD, someone needs to drive a very quick troubleshooting slash whiteboard session about what to do now before the season starts to safeguard the spot going forward because the expanding playoffs is not a cure-all. It actually is going to shine more of a light on some of this. I'm telling you, it's happening right now. You can still do something about it. you got to begin next Tuesday after you let a team have their moment. Heath, how are you? I'm good, Chuck. Uh, there's a story that is, I think, of great interest to a certain segment of folks who listen to this show, and others are gonna just going to roll off their back like the uh, water off a duck's back, I guess. Uh, but apparently on Monday, for the first time in more than a year, some new information is supposed to come out about the EA Sports college football video game. Apparently uh, they say that uh, while they're not sure yet, according to reporting for 24-7 Sports, that there's going to be a launch date announced for it. It is expected to come out this summer. Uh, it'll be the first video game franchise for college football since NCAA 14 in the summer of 2013. The game will not be named for the NCAA. We don't know what it's going to be called, but it won't be NCAA 2024 or 25 or whatever. But uh, apparently video footage, screenshots, and more coming on Monday. And for some people, that's a big, big deal. Uh, I agree. It's uh, Everybody loves to go into dynasty mode and the recruiting and all. I wonder if you have a, an option where you can go like old school and turn off the name, image, likeness thing um, because that's its own kettle of fish. Uh, so it's a wonderful game. And, I mean, my gosh, earned rep, no doubt about it. Uh, all right. Uh, Going to take a quick break here, come back, talk a little, I'll say Big Ten, but also national championship game. Bill Bender, Sporting News. That's next. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Camp Margaritaville RV Resort, where you can just breathe in and breathe out. Ah. <sighs> 
or move. There's biking, boating, arcade games, hiking, nearby golfing, or fly through the new Fins Up Water Park. Thrills, chills, twists, and turns. This could be you. Camp Margaritaville at Lanier Islands, an easy one-hour drive from Atlanta. Book your stay today at CampMargaritavilleLanierIslands.com. Now more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. Chuck Oliver Show rolling along on this Thursday, just a few days ahead of a national championship game, and we'll be crowning another champion. And Michigan or UW, uh, the last two teams standing were the two undefeateds left. So uh, it's kind of worked out the way that, at least under one scenario, you expect it would. Uh, along those lines, and I started the show with this, if the final six games on your schedule are – Eight-win Maryland, number 10, number 2, number 16, number 4, and number 2, and you go 6-0 and o versus that, do you really have a schedule wasn't good enough issue? Because I don't think you do. I think Michigan could be deprived of a lot of historical credit because we already decided in September the schedule stinks. So let's go ahead and welcome on right now, man, and talk about this game, this matchup, as well as the big picture for Michigan going forward. From the Sporting News, it is Bill Bender. Bill, how's your day going? Well, and, and I think you just said it. We're running out of ways to say Michigan team isn't good. I mean, I've heard it all year. I, what more do you need to and, say you know, that this team is truly elite? And if it was the sodium pentothal, isn't that what they give the people to tell the truth? Isn't this like Barry Bonds? We just decided we don't like this guy. And Roger Clemens, I don't like you either, so we're not voting for you. Um, we don't like Jim Harbaugh. He's schmarmy, and then he actually beat us the way he said he would. So I think a lot of this, there's there's 85 kids and a bunch of other people behind the scenes who I don't think will get historical credit because they haven't just kind of won. They've hammered people. Yeah, it's one of the best teams of the college football playoff era. And the eye-opener for me, and I know you and I have talked over the years, and we can, as somebody that lives in Big Ten country, we can posture and act like we're ready for that. But when they play an SEC powerhouse, you normally see the difference. What I saw on January 1st, particularly in the first half, was Michigan pushed Alabama around. And I know they were losing in the fourth quarter. I understand that front they won on both sides and that's why they won the football game i remember oh maybe it was early set talking years ago about how hey when we get in the postseason it's easy because you know we're the sec and it's the speed we go against and i've always been i don't know if i've been biased or i just understood i mean there ain't no bell glade ohio all right it's just different um michigan looked like they had the requisite speed as well that's that impressed me well, there, there might not be a Belglade, Ohio, but there's a Steubenville, Ohio, and a, you know, Tickerington, Ohio, where I live. And the talent level's gotten better up here. It's not like, you, to your point, the SEC, that's NFL farm league, essentially. Um, but, like I said, they had a couple guys on the perimeter. This wasn't a great performance by Alabama. I think they wasted the entire first half trying to figure out Michigan pass rush. And they adjusted well. They did, but, you know, in crunch time, I think J.J. McCarthy needs to get more credit. He's 26-1 and as a starter. He leads the game-time drive. 
He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. I know there's some muck drafts that have him muck to the Falcons. You guys be fine with him. He's great. Uh, let's talk about immediate judgment, not history now. Um, if we take the DeLorean back about six weeks, man, it was grassy knoll sort of stuff, this cheating scandal. And then it was three games. Everybody kind of forgot about it. Um, and I think it was sort of the middle finger from the assistant coach going, yeah, we're not even going to try to pass the ball and we're still going to hammer you. Um, that sort of galvanized the team somehow. Um, what do you think is going to be the outcome if any of this quote cheating scandal because it is so far in the rear view right now yeah i know mccarthy brought up something about ohio state stealing signs in 19 2019 yesterday and that made the rounds but i'm gonna be honest chuck he he served a three-game suspension i I, how much more are we going to punish them for this thing and I, i just don't I'm going to be really honest. I don't care about it that much. I don't. I don't either. This is Robert Kraft in Orlando. That's not my business. Correct. I'm totally with you there. Now, this means Jim Harbaugh takes the next thing to the NFL. Here's my theory, and I'm going to write about it over the weekend. Uh, You're going to miss him when he's gone. On the NFL, he's just another guy on the sideline. In college football, he's there are a couple coaches, Saban, Dion, Harbaugh, Dabo, Kirby, universally either loved or hated across the entire country. I think those are the only five. There are very few. This is not Spurrier and even Tuberville. And, I mean, it's just not those days anymore. You're spot on with that, brother. Um, All right, well, let's talk about the other sideline then. And Kalen DeBoer, who, I mean, you talk about go back two years and a month or, you know, whatever it was. Um, Washington was horrid. Uh, and then I'm going to bring some of my coaches and my quarterback and all this. Uh, just talk about the, the, the program he has in place because Michael Penix moves on. So now it's about more than just, you know, I'm Gene Chizik and got Cam Newton. Yeah, he's pretty good, he, you know, and they, the way they threw it around the yard against Texas. But at the same token, you know, the Michael bandwagon is pretty full right now, right? Yeah. But yeah. one play away from blowing that game. Easily could have won that game at the end. Um, so I, I like the team. I like the receivers. I like the way that they can get up and down. If they give Penix time against this Michigan pass rush, they will give the Wolverines a lot of problems. Uh, I guess for me, it's will he have time? And will they be able to handle this pass rush? I, this scenario that we have, Chuck, reminds me of when Ohio State beat Alabama in 15. And I remember after they beat Alabama, I was like, I don't care who they play next. They're going to win by a lot. And that's exactly what they did to Oregon. If we look at the game the other night, um, a lot had been made. And I believe properly so. If you go back to, I don't know, week six or seven or whatever, Jaden Roberts, big old monster number 77, gets put into the middle of that line for Alabama. And he basically changed the mentality. They got grimy. like, And you know what that means for an offensive line. It's a good thing. Michigan didn't care. They did not budge um how do you think washington can operate because you're exactly right milroe getting pressured was the game and michael Penix still has two knees that have had acls you know it's interesting you say that because you know washington won the joe moore award got a good offensive line i don't know enough about offensive line and i always turn to like somebody like cool cubelic to explain me some of these things but all you do is watch the middle of the field you know, Georgia over the years, Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter. Michigan has that. Yep. They have dudes in the middle. Kenneth Grant, Mason Graham, 
uh, Chris Jenkins, that's why they bothered Alabama so much. And you build your defense from the inside out. Any defensive coordinator from eighth grade on up will tell you that. So, and Washington handle that interior Michigan defense. They did with Texas. And if they can do it with Michigan, they're going to have a chance. Yeah, you're not lying, man. Um, Graham, my goodness. Um, just a tougher, stronger individual. That's a different brand guy. Uh, what do you think is actually, how does it unfold on Monday night? I like Michigan to win. If it gets in the 30s, that gives Washington more of a chance. I think this Michigan team, they're just going to be able to run the football. That's going to open the playbook for McCarthy. You know, all those special teams mistakes made in the Rose Bowl, it was so uncharacteristic, and they still won the game. Michigan doesn't turn the ball over a lot. I think that makes a difference. They win the game. I don't know how everybody's going to feel about it afterward, but I do know this. That team... You watch movies, too, I'm sure. They know how to wear the, the black hat. They know how to be the villain, and they'll continue to be the villain all the way through. Oh, man, they, they, they sprinkle it on themselves. It's like it's like power powder. They love it. Um, all right, let's talk about Nick Saban in Alabama because if we go back a month ago, um, Tommy Reese, my goodness, it finally came around. And I'm like, no, Auburn did a whole lot of figuring out that offense until the final play. Um, and Auburn's defense was not special at all. Um, and then everything was a struggle this year for him. I didn't think it ever looked good, but Tommy Reese was getting a lot of praise and in some ways he should have. Do you think Nick Saban is happy right now in the moment with Tommy Reese or Kevin Steele? Uh, Satisfied, uh, content. No, I would no because their standard is national championship. You know, he did a nice job with this team because I still think George is better. I I know they. I understand what I just said. I I I understand that. But after watching Georgia in the Orange Bowl, and I understand who was missing. I I still think they're the best team in the country, and uh, but they didn't win it. They won't win a national championship. So to answer your question, I mean, try not real happy. Happy with that last play, how they executed it. He's probably okay with the play call. The defense was pretty good this year and continues to be better. They get Melrose back. They're going to be right back in the hunt. I'm working on one of those early top 25s like I always do. And um, Georgia and Alabama will be one and two probably. That won't surprise me one bit. There's going to be a lot of SEC teams in the top 25 too with Oklahoma and Texas coming in. Last thing for you, and this is just maybe a matter of taste, but I've I've said it's like it's bad for the HOA. It's bad for like real estate values. If somebody's walking around the neighborhood saying, "Man, it sucks around here. Uh, nobody should buy." Um, can Florida State get unpleasant and public and loud enough that the ACC says, "All right, a little bit early and a little less money." It's bad yeah, business we- to have somebody like FSU stomping around like that. It's worse business when it's your biggest brand, right? Yeah. I mean, football brand anyway. Um, so, yeah, I, that, that's going to continue into the offseason. I spoke with a attorney about that, um, and I don't know a ton about law and order. I, everything I learned from Jack McCoy, but he uh, was so helpful in saying how difficult it's going to be for them to get out of that grant of rights deal. And, and to your point, I think that's their strategy right now is – yeah, we signed a bad deal, but we're going to do everything we can to get out of it anyway. Um, and that's what's going to continue to happen over the summer. And they didn't do themselves any favor by the way they played in the Orange Bowl because I think any sympathy for them not making the playoff, despite the fact all those guys missed, kind of went out the window, Chuck. 
Yeah, I learned most of my law from Ben Matlock, so we're kind of in the same uh, category of expertise. Bill, I appreciate the expertise on college football as always, friend. Thank you so much. Tom, thanks so much for having me. Take care. Yeah, sir. Bill Benner, Sporting News. So that's just what it is. It's – and it's – I, I, I want to say regret. I don't have a side in this. I mean, I properly evaluate Florida State is being underpaid, but you signed the contract. And yeah, she, you kind of banged the table and back in, was it 15 or 16, with Swaffer going, what a great deal. Um, no more Maryland here. They, by the, do we remember that? <laughs> this was all a result of the ACC reacting to Maryland leaving. Grand rights. Won't happen again. Florida State was like, yeah, try to leave. I dare you. Then like two years later, Florida State's looking around going, can we see that contract? Do we understand it's not myth? Florida State, I don't Florida State, Wake Forest, Duke. No one has a copy of it. It's like the Magna Carta. I don't know. What was it Nicholas Cage was stealing? Declaration of Independence? There's like a copy of it. It's under glass and alarms and all that in Charlotte. Now, it was in Greensboro, I guess. It's in Charlotte now. Florida's like, we would like to look at it. And they were like, well, you can put gloves on. You can look at it through the glass. I'm, again, I'm not really kidding. Not much. So it's bad business. Imagine like the swim tennis is on a membership drive and the owner of maybe the nicest house. There are a couple other good ones, but maybe the nicest house in the whole neighborhood is going to the most public dinner possible at the clubhouse going, man, eh, you wouldn't buy here. This is not a good place. I wouldn't join. This is bad. We want out. Are you buy? Why would you join Southern Methodist to the point that Southern Methodist was like, oh, my gosh, all right, nine years, even worse, and they still said yes. Chuck Oliver Show, going to take a quick break, come back, wrap up next. to Southern Sports Today and the Chuck Oliver Show. We have to be able to adapt to a changing, constantly changing world. And if you look at the changes in college football in the last three to five years, it's probably changed more than it did in the 50 years prior to that. So um, not being able to adapt uh, would be a huge detriment to continuing to be successful, I think. It's Nick Saban. At the mall during Christmas. Nick Saban talking. And what a statement there. <clears throat> and he may be right, because I've said the NCAA basically didn't change anything for a century, and then they changed everything and just kind of walked away. And now have proposed that schools can be divided into tiers, and you can just play, pay the players directly. He said it's changed more in the past five than in the previous 50. Well, okay, what sort of things have happened in the previous 50? Um, I don't know. Television and the passing game. Are those like the two, like in hand in hand? Other than gambling and how blatant it is now. If you go back, he said in the past five years, okay, well, that would be beginning of 2019. All right, we'll go back 50 years before that, 1969. 
Yeah, since 1969. I mean, it was it hadn't happened yet. In January '69, that thing with Nixon in Texas and Arkansas hadn't happened yet. What TV game did you have before that? The Notre Dame Michigan State thing, where Notre Dame let the air out of the ball. That that was was that ten ten tie. Didn't have those moments. I would say his statement is first of all probably accurate. Secondly, stunning that it could be that against the backdrop of what has happened over the last half century. The um, the the timetable that he set. TV didn't really exist, and then after that was what Archie Manning and Scott Hunter. That happened. You started having TV moments with college football, and then TV expansion, and then Oklahoma and. It was Oklahoma and Georgia. Like, everybody who's not a big-time program, when you get to see your team on TV, you need to thank Oklahoma and Georgia. Go Google your computer, CFA, like probably 1984 or so. So TV, gargantuan. Why? Well, because now there's money. Nobody ever made money. It's why, I don't know, Wally Butts, what else did he do? Coach baseball, I think. Shug Jordan. I think he was a baseball coach, too. It's why you would be the football coach and then the golf coach as well because you could pick up an extra 2200 Now, I've talked to this guy on air, and so Wes Durham, who does ACC stuff now, way back in the day we worked at the same station, and he talked about his on the record. He said Woody Durham, who, my gosh, Woody Durham in ACC world broadcasting, he was the voice of the Tar Heels for, I want to say, how many years, how many national championships, how many decades? He said he never made any money, not until the end. Larry Munson never made any money, not until the end. These people never made any money until the end. TV came, boom, suddenly people make money. And then the passing game, which pre-Spurrier 1989 Gainesville, that was like Lavelle Edwards and Don Coriel at San Diego State and people who couldn't run the ball, well, you threw the ball because you're a freak. Those things happened. And then Saban says, a bigger past five years, and he's right. Hey, how's that Thursday? Here's something I find fascinating, Chuck. We, uh, we've talked, obviously, earlier in the week about how, as much as anything, the thing that kept Alabama from being able to succeed on that final play, and that really was an issue all year long, was the snapping. Yeah. The unreliable shotgun snapping. Seth McLaughlin's one of nine Bama kids that put his name officially into the transfer portal, or at least was announced to have done so yesterday. And I'm just looking at the reports. He's already on his way to a visit to Ohio State. He's reported to have received high interest from the following programs. Clemson, Oklahoma, Penn State, Tennessee, Texas A&M, USC. So you have someone who literally, we all watched on the biggest stage, be a major issue for one of the top teams in the country. But the desire for linemen is so intense, and there are so few guys that you feel like have any useful experience that could apply to you. The first digit of their age as a two, you're right. That's its own That's its own skill set. And so, I mean, even a guy that, again, I, I, look, nobody's looking to rip the kid. Just the facts are there's a pretty obvious flaw that was on display for an entire year, 
and you've got basically a whole slew of teams right there that would be considered possible top ten teams. So yep. Gimme, okay. gimme, gimme, gimme. You're, you're exactly right. And there's something about, and I've always said, the physical difference between three and four years, 22-year-old college kid versus an 18- or 19-year-old college kid, physically overwhelming difference in some cases. On the line of scrimmage, it's a big deal. The NFL, 30 or 26, doesn't matter at all. Uh, this is not a joke. Like, I mean, you've been at practice where a receiver's had a drop, and what does the coach yell? He looks at the secondary coach, looks like we got a safety for you. Um, there's a chance Ohio State wants him to play guard. I'm not kidding. There's a chance he's going to play guard somewhere. Oh, it wouldn't surprise me at all, but uh, it just it drives home. Because he's an old man. He's 22, and I can put my hands on you and shove you around, and when you're 18 or 19 or 20, I can do that just because I'm older. Yeah, and then you, you have a, obviously a bunch of schools that go after Ivy League offensive linemen. Why? Because they've played a bunch of ball. Now, they haven't played against the kind of athletes you're going to play in a yep. Power 5 conference, but just that sheer age and experience of playing a lot of ball every year because remember the ivy league doesn't allow graduates to play so when you get those guys they're like ah what the heck it might be fun to play one year somewhere that's uh, not as much about the uh, the institution and more about the ball uh that might be fun uh you see them fought for every single year and, and in some cases start in the sec absolutely and, true and do big things heck lsu had a, a starting center from harvard a couple years back yeah and you don't have to wear a tie to class at baton rouge do you I'm pretty sure you can skip that. Pretty sure. We'll double check on that. I'll, I'll get Just, a hold of what's going on. What kind of awesome. Who was it? Remember it was Andrew Hatch. Was he the quarterback at Hale, uh, Yale or Harvard? And he transferred to LSU for a year and then transferred back to the Ivy League? Yep. I was like, was he one of like, isn't it the Amish to go out for a year and wild and then head back home? It's all kinds of weird things. That was pre-portal, folks. Wraps it up on this Thursday. David on the ones and twos. Just spinning gold. Heath, Rolodex to the stars. Everybody, thank y'all for listening. 22 hours, recharge the batteries. Be back with a lot more college football conversation right here on Chuck Oliver Show. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves. And people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY. And there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required. And they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Camp Margaritaville RV Resort, where you can just breathe in and breathe out. <sighs> or move. There's biking, boating, arcade games, hiking, nearby golfing. Or fly through the new Fins Up Water Park. Thrills, chills, twists, and turns. This could be you. Camp Margaritaville at Lanier Islands. An easy one-hour drive from Atlanta. Book your stay today at Camp Margaritaville Lanier Islands.com. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre owned vehicles. Go to WadeFord.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs with Blue certified. Nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at WadeFord.com. Wade Ford, we are Atlanta's Ford dealer.